Fellas, it's a loose ledge, Adam Brooks. This is your dad, Rocky Monero. It is the influential Skylar Crew. This is the business Slex, and you're listening to MCWY. Welcome everyone to MCWY, the official podcast of Melbourne City Wrestling, where we take you inside MCW and behind the scenes. And today we have a huge guest who's joining us all the way from Perth. My name's Simon Tackle. I'm joined by my co-host Nims Azor. And Nims, our guest is a man we haven't seen in MCW for a while, but it looks like he may have some plans for MCW. Yeah, it certainly does. And great to be back here, Simon. And i got to say, after Breaking Point, I, f- I feel like Damien Slater, who is our guest this week, probably shares the same sort of thing that a lot of people in Australian wrestling have when it comes to our champion, Mitch Waterman absolutely credential tag team champion. We all know that what he can do, and maybe a lot of people think that he's just a tag team wrestler, but as you saw in the Thornbury Theatre last weekend, he is really, really keen to cement his legacy and start off a new chapter in his life as the MCW champion. Absolutely. Mitch Waterman had a lot to prove, and he did it against Jack J. Bonzer, who was an absolutely brutal challenger but we've got to move on to our guest, Damian Slater. He was watching that match closely because to him, he's a guy who's been around for, you know, for over a decade competing against the world's best, teaching the future of Australian wrestling as well. So he knows the ins and outs. Well, he had a lot to say, that's for sure. He certainly did. In fact, we actually caught up with Damian Slater before an EPW show. So we got him straight on match day. And in fact, let's just get to our chat with the world beater himself, please welcome Damien Slater to MCW Wide. Joining us on MCW Wide is a very special guest. He's a man who over the years has earned the name the world beater. Of course, he's lived up to that by competing against some of the world's best pro wrestlers. He is based out of EPW and Perth. It's been a while since we've seen him compete here in MCW, but we're hoping that's going to change very soon. Welcome to the show, Damien Slater. Thanks, gents. Uh, it's good to be back inside that MCW bubble. It certainly has been a while, but I think COVID's made it feel like it's overnight. But yeah, what, three, four years, maybe, maybe longer? Who knows? Long time. So in saying that, you've been around for a while, of course, a veteran of the game, but it's very different comparing how people train now and sort of the facilities that are, that are available compared to, you know, when you would have broke into the business. So for you, what was it like first getting into the pro wrestling game? It was tough. There wasn't a lot, I mean, there wasn't a lot of places to train anywhere, let alone in Adelaide where I grew up. Generally, most states had one, potentially two training schools. I know Western Australia, where I am now, had none at all. So you kind of didn't have a lot of choice. You, you went where you went, and hopefully it was a formidable school that trained you in the right way. Um, I was lucky to train under Cole Devani, who... Uh, has since passed away. He was a wrestler in the 70s and 80s and uh, yeah, couldn't ask for a better introduction to pro wrestling. But yeah, tough's an understatement. He, he was a real old school bastard. He, he would really make you earn your stripes and, and earn every single step of the way. But I think by taking that, that pathway, it, it kind of shaped how I am as a coach and it, it shaped the way that I like to mold my students. And, and in my opinion, I believe that really working for it and earning you do in pro wrestling, that's that's the only way to go. Well, yeah, to really do it tough. I mean, let's face it. When you first broke into the scene, like the Australian wrestling scene back in the day was so much different than it is now. Let's even like, we'll look at MCW, like 
as a focus at the moment because like we see massive shows at the Thornbury Theatre. There are fans flocking in left, right, and center. You used to wrestle back in the Dragonfly days, mate, and it was <laughs> so much different to like when you were here last uh, in an MCW ring. I mean, what were those days like? I, I think the true test was trying to get through a match while all you could smell was beef and black bean in the um, in the background. That was probably the hardest part. Um, but you know, we didn't know any better. You know, it's it's any any opportunity to wrestle for us was massive. And, and it's not to say that wrestling in restaurants and you know small rec centers and and high school gyms and things like that. It, it's not to say that they weren't great because we were still packing them out and getting solid crowds and and there was a, a bit of a boom in Aussie wrestling back then. But um, it, it's a different world now. The internet's made everything readily available and and everyone from everywhere kind of knows what you're up to and what you're doing. You've got a whole different audience and a lot more um, critical eyes on you, I guess you could say. So it's, it's, there's a lot more pressure I find now than we ever had in the past. In saying that, because you came up that way and, you know, it was a different time, we didn't have social media to sort of get your name out there really quick. Do you think some of the, maybe the younger talent, the younger generation coming through now, maybe take it for granted how quickly they can make a name based on something going viral? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think they do. Now, I don't want to get into a big debate about, you know, old versus young because, I mean, I'm 34 years old myself. I started very young. So I was always the young guy of the group. I know what it's like to, to always have your older generation around you at the same time as you're trying to do the right thing and make a name. Um, I think the biggest thing is just that it's not about the opportunities being easier. I think there's a lot more wrestlers. There's a lot more talent these days. It's more about... I think a lot of opportunities are taken as a given. Um, there's, there's a lot of people who didn't have to really bust their ass, sleep on floors, you know, go and travel to a weird city in a different country and, and live in the ghetto like we all had to do just to get a little bit of training. It wasn't even about making it. It was just learning from different people and it was such a challenge. And I don't feel like you have to do that anymore. Everything's kind of easily presented you pay your money, you go wherever you like, you can post all you want on Twitter and you can make it seem like you're a big superstar at any time. I, I feel like, yeah, it's taken for granted in a way, but it's more so just that it, I feel like the opportunities aren't taken enough. A lot of, a lot of the newer generation just let them slip by. That's, that's probably my biggest gripe. We sort Without of see, getting into a full war. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sort of see now, like, I mean, let's look at a, a guy that you know fairly well. It's uh, one of your stable mates in the Mighty Don't Kneel, Slex. I mean, Slex yeah. has been doing this for so long, but I know for a fact that even though the guy is a multi-time MCW Intercommonwealth champion, uh, into, uh, like an actual world heavyweight champion, the guy's still busting his backside off. He's still hustling left, right, and center. I mean, we saw the great stuff that he did at Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan, and then he's coming back again, next week to be in the Thornbury Theatre, the guy just works his backs off and doesn't take anything for granted. And to put it quite frank, he doesn't need to either, but he still does it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think we, we, we've just got that mentality and it's not, it's not like we're trying to prove ourselves or anything like that. It's just that we were brought up in a day when you were expected to bust your ass, not just from the hours of 6 PM to 8 PM twice a week at training, but it was 24 seven. Um, all of us, we weren't making money. We were working full time. We, we, now you see a lot of us have kids and kids on the way. We have jobs and careers and families, but get in the gym five days a week. We go and do our kickboxing and our jujitsu classes. We still go and train. 
it's not like we we made the big show and now we can just let the you know let the gas off it, for us it's it never stops because we have pride in our work and we respect the professional wrestling industry and that's never going to end that's that's just what we do do you ever look back at the impact that TMDK has made on the industry or continues to because it's crazy you look at international shows and around the country selling out shows everywhere someone from those that group you know Mikey and Shane and Slex and yourself and Jonah, everyone has gone everywhere and everyone is still basically the biggest part of the Australian scene. Did you guys ever think it would even get to this point? Yeah, look, it was never, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty late to the crew, but it was never really like intended to be a big stable where we would stick together and, and go to different places and, you know, run rough shed or whatever. It's really just a group of, of guys who, have always been tight, always been good friends and always just respect what we do. We have very similar mentalities and I don't think we've ever all been in the same place at one time. We come from all around Australia. We go to different places. You've got some of us in Japan, some in America, some doing the Aussie scene. For us, it's just like-minded individuals who always keep, keep a tab of what each other are doing and always make sure that we're all kind of looked after. So, you know, I don't know if we expected anything by this. It just kind of naturally happened. And I guess the years have added up and, and we've got a bit of a story to tell. Yeah, you're not wrong there. I mean, we, and as Simon sort of said, like there are just absolute fingerprints of TMDK everywhere as we speak. I mean, like just looking tonight, I mean, Mikey Nichols, uh, not sorry, not Mikey Nichols, Mikey Broderick, a guy that we know very well in MCW, he's been dominating in Canberra, making the trip all the way over to the West to be quote unquote, the new guy at EPW just sounds so ridiculous for a guy <laughs> that has got so much experience under his belt. Yeah, big time. I mean, he's moved over to Perth now, so he's living the last, he's actually about two minutes from my house over that way. So um, yeah, no, he's, he's a Perthy now. Um, yeah, we, we, we've lot on tonight you know Mikey Nichols as well he's on the show tonight uh Marcus Pitt myself there's a lot of us representing and it's just this ever-evolving roster of TMDK talent I'm hoping we can get Shane down at some point like that'd be the dream now that he's doing the freelance thing over in the states and uh and of course Jonah you know have, having him back would be incredible and even Slex you know the last time Slex came to EPW was a long long time ago probably geez 10 years ago now I think um Man, yeah, it, exciting. Everything's exciting. Yeah, it, it really does sort of seem that way. And I don't want to, like, we don't want to draw like a battle line between old school and new school here. But you mentioned Marcus Pitt there. I mean, the last time you were at MCW, you took on uh, Tom and Stevie, the natural classics, the untouchables uh, versus the classics in an absolute barnstormer. And it's funny too, because like back then, Tom and Philippe were sort of seen as like the young guys, whereas now in MCW, at least within our world, these are the these are the the standard bearers. These are the guys that are that the young up and coming talent are looking to chop down. Do you see that sort of landscape shift? I mean, you you just said before you were the young dude growing up uh, when you were coming through the biz. Now you're the veteran. You're the person that someone when they say that I've managed to beat the world beater Damien Slater, that's a notch that I can put on my belt. Yeah, I think perspective is everything. Like you say that they're no longer the young guys and they're the, the more experienced crew now in MCW. That's fair, but you put them in any other room and I don't think that's the case. I was the young guy for the longest time. I'm only feeling like maybe just now I'm starting to become the more experienced name because 
the people I looked up to, like your Davis Storms, your Mikey Nichols, your Hartley Jacksons, those guys are still around and they're still killing it. You know, they're up near their 40s, in their 40s, still looking as, as solid and athletic as ever, ever. So I've never felt in that same position. Um, for me, the one thing I find in pro wrestling is that until you step in the ring with someone, you don't know how good they are. You don't know what they can do. There's a lot of people I see hyped up online and I step in the ring with them and I'll tell you what, I expose every single weakness they've ever had. So for me, the classics are great. They're fantastic. They, uh, they've, they've really cemented themselves as not just tag team in Melbourne, but maybe top three in Australia. But I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I need, I need to experience that for myself. I need to see the new Tome and Stevie because until that happens, you've got to do more than just win a couple of matches. Well, we'll just use them as an example. Because as great as they are, like you said, people can stay in their peak in pro wrestling for years past where Tome and Stevie are at this point. It's kind of interesting compared to other athletic endeavors because it feels like in pro wrestling, your peak isn't necessarily in your early 20s. It's when you get that experience into your 30s and that's when it comes. Is that a lesson that younger guys should know that, hey, as great as you are now, keep putting in the work because it's only going to get better? Oh, yeah. I don't think age really has much to do with it. You look at the Japanese scene and they're considered young until they hit 40. And even at 40, that's kind of when they're in their prime. Uh, I don't think age is anything more than a number. I think a lot of it comes down to experience and where you've been. And you can stay in the same city for your entire life and you can have your 300 matches a year in front of 20 people and and think that you're uh, a veteran, but comes down to who you've wrestled, who you've been hanging around and what kind of obstacles you've overcome. Um, so it's, it's case by case, 100%. Yeah, you mentioned David Storm there and uh, I reckon that guy has found a fountain of youth because you look at him in 2003 <laughs> and look at him like yesterday, the guy looks exactly the same. Um, but but um, if it's just going back to like, you know, talking about the experience and stuff like that, I mean, we're quite lucky that, uh, you know, here at MCW, we've got the MCW Academy and we've got some great trainers, uh, Jake Andrew Arthur, uh, Jay does some fantastic work there too. Um, we've seen Slex come back, Adam Brooks as well. Uh, in fact, Mitch Waterman, our very own champion, he, he, despite being the heavyweight champion off the world, off our company, he still likes to come back and, you know, provide his wisdom to the recruits of the MCW Academy. And, you know, you also do something similar as well with the APW guys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could say it's kind of similar. Uh, I'm the head coach at APW Pro Wrestling in Perth. We've got two academies, uh, a lot of opportunities, and I understand this is full bias, but in my opinion, absolutely the best school in the country. Um, it's okay to disagree with that. It's also okay to be wrong. Uh, but, you know, in terms of experience and, and the type of trainers and opportunities that we offer, I, I think it's an unbeatable experience. Um, we've got, you know, coming up the EPW Winter Camp, which is a, a sold out full time week long camp with uh, 40 students from around Australia uh, that are going to come down, which is a massive opportunity as well. So I think we're doing things that no one else is doing. And I've got a lot of respect for MCW Academy. I go way back with Jay Andrews. Uh, he's probably 80% of the reason that I'm always around MCW in some form. Uh, but I think there's still a young academy. There's still some growing pains to go through, still some experience to gain. Uh, but yeah, what we're doing over here, uh, yeah, I love it. If we're talking in terms of, you know, like we mentioned, Mitch Waterman isn't just 
one of the trainers at the academy. He's also the champion now. Do you think that's something that somebody can handle doing both of those things? Or do you think he's qualified for either of those? Uh, oh, look, to be honest, I didn't know Mitch was a trainer. I had no idea. Uh, I do try to keep up, but I guess not that deeply. Uh, look, you can do both. Of course you can do both. Um, being a champ adds an extra dimension of pressure, but uh, being a coach is a whole, a whole different world. And I've always said being a good pro wrestler doesn't make you a good coach. Um, Mitch, Mitch is doing well. Like I, I keep up to date with the product. I watched him against Brooksy. I was impressed uh, with what he did. I don't know how good he is as a coach. Um, all I see is that half of the MCW trainees are coming over in July to train under myself. So, you know, maybe that's a bit of a telling tale of, of the landscape over there. But for me, I, I'm, I'm looking more at Mitch as a, as a pro wrestler. I think he, he's a young boy. He, he hasn't been around the block. He hasn't done the traveling. I, who cares how he is as a coach? I want to see what he's like as a wrestler. I think he's still got a long way to go. A long, long way to go. And Beating Brooksy's cool. That's a, that's a great, it's a big deal. It's a massive deal. Uh, beating Brooksy with one foot out the door, plane tickets in hand. Again, I'm not impressed. Well, you got to hand it to Mitch though. I mean, like the guy started off as a fan, like at the Dragonfly, watching guys like you, watching guys like Brooksy, watching guys like Slex. And now he's come so far. You got to like dip your hat to him a little bit and sort of go, geez, you know, you're doing pretty well. And the fact that he's actually going back to the academy and trying to pass on his wisdom to the next generation, that's something to sort of admire a little bit, at least. Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I do. I, I, just, I just said, I, I, I think he's done well for himself. He's obviously the champ. Like, you, you'd be stupid to deny any sort of recognition of ability. Uh, but, man, I've seen this story like a thousand times. Like, how many people tell the story of watching Damien Slater at the Dragonfly, watching Damien Slater at the Masonic Centre in Sydney, watching Damien Slater at a, at a little hall in Adelaide. Like I've heard it a million times. I've had them all come up and, and try to challenge the King. They all come with piss and vinegar and, and all the emotion in the world, but that means a whole lot. That's to me, that's just another month in my life. And Hey man, if, if Mitch wants to come up and, and play that role and do the whole challenge thing and whatever, then I'm, well, I'm more than welcome to it. But I'm just watching from afar. And for me, it's still going to be a while before Mitch reaches that, reaches that upper echelon. Doesn't mean he can't do it. Uh, I think only, only he and the people around him who are mentoring him know what he's capable of. Uh, but all I'll say is the last time we wrestled, the only time we wrestled, he was staring up at the lights. So, Okay, with all that being said, maybe we'll just shift gears slightly. So if people do want to get a taste of, I guess, sitting under the learning tree of Damien Slater, you've got the World Beta Wrestling Series up on social media where I guess you kind of give some of the knowledge that you've built up over the years. You know, obviously you're not going to give it all away. People have to go to the academy for that, I, I assume. Um, but where did that idea come from? Because I'm assuming the genie is kind of out of the bottle. People go and practice pro wrestling in their backyard and they make it. There's so many different ways you can learn. Did it feel like, look, people already kind of, again, and maybe do this on their own. I might as well guide them in a safer, proper professional way. Definitely. Um, a lot of reasons for starting up World Beta Wrestling. Um, for me, the biggest thing I found that was, I felt, I found that pro wrestling was a little bit behind in comparison to other industries and there's always been a an element of secrecy to what we do and kind of keeping the magic behind the curtain 
So you would go to a school and you would learn the secrets, but you never really found a whole lot of stuff online. And I think I just got so fed up with seeing a lot of the same mistakes made that I thought, why should I keep this for a few students in Perth? You know, why not spread the messages? We've got the internet. It's been around for a while. Uh, I saw what people were doing in other industries or other sports like jujitsu, a lot of tutorials in MMA, heaps of tutorials on YouTube. So I thought, why not do that for pro wrestling? And, you know, like you said, I'm not giving away all the secrets and everything to get the full experience. You do have to come and train in person. But if I can take away a few bad habits and common mistakes that we see throughout and throughout from generation to generation, then I'm, I'm doing myself a service for pro wrestling as a whole. And, and, and selfishly, I'm also promoting myself as a coach which is something i've always loved uh, i'm big on education in all aspects especially pro wrestling so i'm kind of you know scratching other people's backs but also scratching my own well that's it we, we talk about how you know you, you're an epw coach at the moment, but you're also still in the very much in the championship hunt and stuff like that too i mean the last show that you had for epw was a world title match so you're definitely still I mean, you don't get better credential than that. I mean, it's it's like going to a, a, a footy clinic and having bloody Dusty Martin there kicking footies with you. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I'm, I'm still, I still feel young. I'm 34 years old. Athletically, I feel like I'm in my prime. I feel like I got ways to go as well, which is kind of part of that mentality that, that my generation had. It was always just inching for a little bit better every day. I, I haven't had a lot of injuries. I haven't had any surgeries. I, I feel great. So for me, like I'm looking for every little 1% thing to make myself better so that I can still go 20, 30 minutes in these championship matches and these main events anywhere in the world and hang with absolutely everyone as well as schooling absolutely everyone. I think I'm the best grappler in the country. I confidently say that. I don't think anyone can touch me on the mat. It's not just what I've done in pro wrestling. It's what I've done in the grappling world. It's what I've done in, in jiu-jitsu and freestyle wrestling and catch wrestling. And, and I, I'm adding things to my game that I think a lot of people are overlooking and, it, and it's just for that one opportunity that, that will arise every now and then where I have my chance at, at becoming the king so yeah I'm always going to be ready I'm always going to be one step ahead of everyone else well in saying all that we can't wait to see you put those skills back to use here in MCW we don't know when that's going to be but we definitely look forward to it in the meantime though if people do want to keep up with you and maybe follow what you're doing with the World Beta Wrestling series. Where can they find you online? Head to worldbeaterwrestling.com, which is my YouTube channel. It's all free content that you can see every single week. I think I've got 150 plus videos up now for, for pro wrestlers and aspiring pro wrestlers. Uh, you can also catch me on social media. Uh, Damien Slater is the easy one. Also D Slats on Instagram because someone stole my handle. Dude, we appreciate you taking a bit of time out to chat to us here on MCW Wide. I don't think I need to wish you any luck against Jesse Lambert tonight, but uh, I will anyway. So uh, <laughs> go well at Worlds Collide, and hopefully we'll see you in the Thornbury Theatre soon. Thanks, fellas. I, yeah, I wish all the best for yourselves, and I hope to see you soon. Interesting chat there from Damien Slater. It uh, almost went into a little bit of hostile territory there, but uh, I think that if Damien Slater hasn't watched MCW Breaking Point, he better run to MCW On Demand or Fight TV and check out just exactly what Mitch Waterman can do because I think that he'll be eating some of his words. Absolutely. That main event at Breaking Point was for all the haters and the critics. So I think Mitch Waterman shut a lot of mouths with that valiant performance that he put in. But now, though, 
the eyes of the wrestling world turn to July 23, the Thornbury Theatre, the biggest event in MCW history. The ballroom brawl is back. July 23 at the Thornbury Theatre. Head to mcwtix.com.au to secure your ticket now. And we'll catch you next time on another edition of MCW Wide.